Good morning. And let's go ahead and begin with prayer. Father in heaven, we are so thankful for your love and the way you run your universe and kingdom. We ask for your spirit to join us and lighten our minds, lead us into the uh, truths you have for us today, and help us to be lights in this world that so need your principles. We pray in your holy name. Amen. Amen. So let's go ahead and start our, our lesson. We're doing a starting a new quarter. It's titled Rest in Christ, and the title is Living in a 24-7 Society. And so it's really going to be focusing this week on the Sabbath rest. And I put off a question from our Q&A time from last week, knowing that our lesson was going to be about this this week. And here's the question that was sent in last week. I clearly understand how nine of the Ten Commandments are a diagnostic tool. But how is it that if I am a healthy Christian, I will remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy? How is this done without being legalistic? I am still having a hard time wrapping my mind around Sabbath day being a day of freedom uh, versus a day of rule keeping. How would you answer that question? Me too. Me too. Okay. Got, Got some me too's. I got some heads nodding out here. Okay, good. A lot of people have this question. First question that I typically ask on these are... Yes! Yay! What law lens are you answering questions through? Meaning the big philosophical framework is, do we believe God runs his universe like a Roman Caesar and he makes up laws like humans do that have no inherent consequence and then he oversees them with police force and judicial inquiry and inflictions of punishments? Or do we see God as creator and his laws are the laws upon which reality are built and deviating from them are like deviating from the laws of health. You can use your freedom to smoke cigarettes, but you can't be healthy doing that. You will, you will injure your health doing that. So do we, do we see God's law through design law, the creator, built reality, space, time, energy, matter, life? Or do we see his law imperialistically, simply system of made-up rules that require infliction of punishment? That's the big law lens. So if you look at the, impo- uh, at the Sabbath through the imposed law lens, if that's your assumption before you actually even under, uh, look at the Sabbath, then the Sabbath becomes a test of obedience. If you, if you don't keep it properly, then you get demerits in your registry in heaven. And, and if those demerits or sins are not uh, covered by the blood of Christ who pays the penalty for that, then God will be required one day to punish you for your bad Sabbath keeping. That's the legal way. Sadly, if you look at it that way, The Sabbath is a tool to harden your heart, undermine trust, and destroy love. And ultimately, you're a Sabbath keeper who crucifies Christ and wants him down off the cross So by sunset so you can keep the Sabbath of the God that you just killed. That's what happens when you understand any of God's laws through imposed law. What about if we see it through design law, though? The God who built reality. How is the Sabbath different in in any way from the other six days of the week? In its origination, in its creation. Remember, Jesus himself said, the Sabbath was made. It was created. It was built. It was designed. It was constructed by our creator. How is the Sabbath day different in its construction from the other six days of creation week? It's the one day God didn't do anything. He rested. So he did. So God Himself did something different on the Sabbath than the other days. Uh, on the first six days, God actively creates. He expends energy. He uses power. But on the seventh day, God does just the opposite. He ceases using power. He rests. 
because he was tired, he was fatigued, or, or there was some other purpose in God's choosing to rest on that day after expending energy to create life. What was the purpose? What was revealed by the, the difference? Does God reveal something? He reveals freedom. Why would he expend energy for six and choose to rest on the seventh? As what was happening in the universe at that time? What kind of war? Revelation uses, the, that's translated in English, war, the, the Greek word is polemo, from what we get polemic. And a polemic is an argument. It's a war of ideas. It's a war of words. Satan is the father of lies. So there's a war from the liar, the father of lies, who's telling lies. And the primary focus, Paul tells us, we don't wage wars the world does. The weapons we use are not worldly. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish every argument and pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So again, the war over the knowledge of God, Satan is lying about God. And so in this context of a war, God creates not just this planet, not just life on this planet. And for those who doubt whether the angels were already in existence, Job chapter 38 tells us that the angels sang together for joy when the earth was created. They were already there. It's already happening. So God creates this species, this planet, humans. And then he creates for the first time in universal history, first time in universal history, he creates the Sabbath. Didn't exist before. Why? What's it reveal? What, what, what is God trying to do? What's Satan's allegation against God? His core. It's an attack on God's law, his government, his rulership. That he was selfish. Like, you want all the praise, praise, praise for you. Holy, holy, holy. I can do as good a job as you have. All you want is, is beings to praise you. So, I can do as good a job as you. This would be one reason for the creation and it wasn't, I can do as good a job as you, Father. I can do as good a job as you, Son. You remember in Scripture, Jesus is referred to as the bright and morning star. Bright and morning star in Greek is phosphorus, from where you get phosphorus. Bright and morning star, phosphorus, translated into the Latin Vulgate, is Lucifer. Jesus is the Lucifer. What? Because Lucifer means light bearer. Jesus is the light which lightens all men. Satan's prime attack, his jealousy of the sun, and his allegations that the sun and I are equal. I can do as good a job as the sun. But Jesus enters into God's presence. Now, Scripture tells in 1 Timothy 6.16 that God lives in unapproachable light. Unapproachable, unapproachable, unapproachable. Because there's a force shield, and if you don't have the proper code, you can't deactivate the shield and get in. Unapproachable, unapproachable. Unapproachable by whom? Finite Mortals. Finite beings. Not just mortal beings, finite beings. God is infinite. Infinite truth, infinite knowledge, infinite power. Can a finite being, even a finite angelic being, assimilate, process, and handle inf infinite knowledge and truth? No. And it would burn them out. It's beyond them. Can't handle it. 
So he lives an unapproachable, not unapproachable by a rule, unapproachable by reality. We cannot approach affinity. We can't get there. But an infinite being can. So Jesus the Son can go into infinity because he's an infinite being. Now, if God is the God that we've seen in Jesus who wants closeness, wants at one mint with his creation, and his created beings, even Gabriel or Lucifer reverse fall, these created beings can't enter into infinity, and God wants close intimacy, what will have to happen? A member of infinity has to leave and enter linear time to interact on the closest level. That member has always been Jesus. Jesus the Phosphorus, Jesus the bright and morning star, Jesus the archangel, who was not an angel, just appeared and he interacted on this level. And so we have this process going, and Satan begins allegations. God's arbitrary. Michael gets to go in. The archangel gets to go into these infinite meetings. I don't get to go. Not because there's any inherent difference. We're the same. We're the same. God just makes up rules. And I questioned it. I questioned the rule. I thought I deserved to go in there. I'm the bright, I'm the bright Lucifer. But he wouldn't let me, guys. He wouldn't let me. Is that really fair? God just makes up rules. And you know what? Now he's cast me out. He's punishing me. He inflicts punishment. That's what he does. And so, what is, which member of the Godhead does scripture say created earth? Jesus. It was through Christ that all things were made. He is the action, and not the Father couldn't do it, of course the Father could do it, Spirit could do it, but Satan's allegations of equality were not, I'm equal with the Father. His allegation were, I'm equal with the Son. And God doesn't win by claims. God doesn't win by proclamations. God doesn't win by saying, hey, that's a lie, believe me, it's all true, and make your decision now or else. That's not how it works. God always gives evidence. Because the truth, he's infinite truth. Truth always reveals he's true. And so Jesus begins, let there be light, let the firmament come forth. He begins demonstrating, I actually believe Satan cast out to the earth. And the earth was Genesis 1. What was the earth in Genesis 1? The earth was void. Darkness. Darkness, a deep black pit. My, my, my hypothetical view, well, no one get to heaven. If I'm right, it might not be. But this is, God had already created the, the universe. We've got the angels in, in, in Job 38 already created. That, that, that This is some corner of the Milky Way where there's a black hole, a deep black abyss. There's nothing, big nothingness. Okay, Lucifer, you say you're equal. Boom, go there, boom, that's the earth. Nothing, a big black nothing. Show us what you can do, Lucifer. Do something with it. It says he was cast out to the earth in, in, in Revelation 12. Cast out to the earth. Why? To show us. You, you want to be, you want to be the creator? You want to, you want, show us. Nothing. Nothing. And then Michael, let there be light. The black hole disappears and the light of the rest of this universe is now traveling where there was no light. Let the firmament come forth. He takes that matter. And he begins terraforming earth. And by day six, let us make man in our image. Let them be fruitful and multiply. And as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit come into unity and create, we now have a new creation. Two sentient beings with different individualities and identities, but can unite in love to become one. And in that union, they create beings in their image. 
And they've given dominion over the planet to, to run the... And after this display, which the earth is a microcosm now, Adam and Eve representing the Godhead, the union of creator beings who in love create in their image, governing the planet, all the animals and other species on the planet, representing all of the beings beneath the infinite God. And when Adam and Eve are walking through the garden and planning where they're going to do their next endeavor, why don't they include the giraffes, the bears, the tigers? Why don't they include them in the discussions? Because Adam and Eve are selfish and they're exclusionary. Or because they have nothing to add. They can't contribute on that level. There's a lesson in that. This is why Lucifer doesn't go into infinity. He can't process. He can't understand. He can't deal on the level of the creator. He's not left out because God wants him out. He's left out because even as incredibly made as God made him, he still is not an infinite being. There are lessons in this. And then... God looks to the universe and says, universe, you've seen the allegations, you've heard the allegations, you've seen the evidence we've given. I rest. I rest my case. Consider for yourself. Come to your own conclusion. And what does it say about the creator that in the context of an, a war against his right to rule, rather than using power to punish his enemy, killing Lucifer, imprisoning him, rather than using power to force every knee to bow under threat, he instead steps back and stops using power and says, universe, take your time. 24 Think for yourself. No pressure, no coercion. Come to your own conclusion. So what's different about the Sabbath? If God were an imperial dictator, like the devil alleges him to be, would there be a Sabbath? No. Its very existence is evidence that God does not run his universe that way, that he is the God of love, and truth, who presents that truth and leaves his beings free. It's an evidence of the liberties we have. And we are in the middle of that same war here today. We're in the war. We're in the middle. Do we need evidence, evidence revealed to us sufficient to destroy the lies of the devil to win us back to trust? Do we need that evidence? And we have the evidence of Jesus' life, but the Sabbath still exists every week, and we all go through it week in, week out. And this is also weekly evidence of the very existence of our Creator. When I've had conversations with atheists, and they ask for evidence of creation, I, I can point to the DNA and the fact that the, the DNA uh, uh, is coded information, and, and coded information cannot exist without an intelligence. That's one of the pieces I point to that they can't refute. But another one is I ask them, tell me about the seven-day weekly cycle. In every culture, in every history in the world, where does it come from? I mean, we have days because of the earth. We have, we have um, months because of the moon. We have the year because the earth cycles around. We have astronomical reasons for all the other measurements of time. But where does the seven-day weekly cycle come from? Evolutionists can't answer it. It's in every culture of the world. Why? Why not a six-day weekly cycle? Why not a nine-day weekly cycle? Cultures, godless cultures have tried this, but it always fails. It always ends up back on a seven. There's a question somewhere? Uh, just a comment. Um, I read an article uh, last week, I think it was in Discover Magazine. It was published about a year ago where they say that the, the scientists are claiming that the weekly cycle now came from the Babylonians. They, they can claim it, and, that, and, that, and, and that's fine. Yeah. 
Okay, but, but, but why does every culture in the world, why do the Chinese, why do the Japanese, why do cultures that don't have their direct connection back to the Babylonians have a seven-day weekly cycle? Why in many languages of the world is the seventh day called the Sabbath? Spanish, Italian, the actual name for the day is Sabbath. Many languages of the world. Where does that come from? These are, these are cultures where the Babylonians certainly wouldn't have called the seventh day Sabbath. Would they? No. And these are cultures that don't have their lineage coming from the Jewish Bible. Yet it's still that way. So evolutionists can't answer the question about that. So it's just another evidence for those who actually are sensitive to that. So the Sabbath's primary purpose is a revelation and evidence of God's character, his methods, his law, truth, Presenting love, leaving free. It's an, it's a, it's an existence in time that cannot be erased. It can only be, um, distorted in our thinking. We can, we can misunderstand it, but it, it exists and we go through it every week. The commandments say that we're to remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. What does this mean? It is holy. Yes, it is. If we come, if we, if we in this world of sin choose to come apart, um, from our worldly business and, and responsibilities and rest in the Lord on Sabbath and grow in Him, um, have we made the Sabbath more holy? If we do wild living on Sabbath, have we made it less holy? So keep the Sabbath holy. Are we actually doing anything about the holiness of the Sabbath by our conduct and actions and, and attitudes toward it? Are we doing something about our own holiness? So we can come apart, and we can remember these things, and we can rest in the Lord, but the Sabbath is more than time to exercise this. We can appreciate the revelation of God's character, but but we must enjoy and appreciate it. It must be a delight to us. If it's not a delight to us, if instead we, we approach the Sabbath from that imperial view, from level four and below moral development, level one, reward and punishment, then the Sabbath is something I, I have to do in order to get my reward or avoid being punished. Or, or level two, uh, the marketplace exchange, well, it's a good deal with God. If I do all, all the stuff God tells me, then I get richer and I get healthier and I get blessings. Or, or level three, I have to do this to be part of the remnant group, to be accepted by the group and be part of the remnant. Or, or level four, uh, I, I have to do this to avoid legal trouble, uh, to ensure that I have the right list of appropriate behaviors to do on the Sabbath. That's level, that, that is imposed law thinking, level four and below. And if we approach it this way, we're not actually benefiting from the Sabbath. Because it becomes a day in which self is still the center. We want to avoid legal trouble. We want to avoid uh, being, uh, being punished. We want to get for self. And so the Sabbath becomes a very self-centered reference. And we don't receive the blessings that we are hoping. We get disillusioned. So we do it expecting to get blessed because I've done it. I don't get the better job and therefore I'm angry or disillusioned. Well, why bother? Because the approach to the Sabbath was misunderstood. It wasn't seen as an evidence of God and, and, and involved in my character development. It was seen as some literal tool to advance me personally. When we understand design law, we understand the blessing of the Sabbath is primarily spiritual blessing, not temporal blessing. Experiencing the principles of God in our hearts and our, and our characters grow to become more like God. So why do we keep the Sabbath? 
for self? Is that why we do it? To get something? To avoid legal trouble? Or do we do it to glorify God by incorporating his principles of truth, love, and freedom into our characters and celebrating those principles with him and the freedoms we have, freedom from guilt, freedom from shame, freedom from sin, And all week long, we remember the Sabbath and what it represents, that God's methods, his principles, truth presented in love. We practice those principles. Now we treat others, truth presented in love and leaving them free. So we won't coerce. We won't threaten people. So as I've been considering this lesson this week, and hopefully the person who emailed, oh, Wendell, go ahead. Continue with that same thought about it being part of love. Love is doing something for the other. So our Sabbath-keeping shouldn't be for us. It should be doing something for the other. Yes, I, I, I don't disagree with that at all. And uh, since you mentioned it, I'll just uh, drop a little uh, heads up to our blog coming out on Thursday. And our blog coming out on Thursday is entitled, How COVID Messaging Perverts Love. Because this idea of love doing for others, you're exactly right. But under the COVID messaging, uh, people are being manipulated under this idea, if you love, you'll do this. I won't say more. Just watch for the blog. comes out on Thursday. <laughs> but you're right about love. Love is other-centered. But it, is, it becomes perverse if we actually don't understand the rest of God's design laws and principles. Because other-centered is doing what's best for other people's eternal interests, not what they think is best or what they want for their selfish gain. If you love me, Mom, you'll buy this car for me. What? You won't spend your money on me? You're being selfish. This type of thing is not love, is it? No. And that's, that's the point. The mother who loves goes, because I do love you, you're not getting the car. <laughs> Piggybacking on that, um, I was in a Bible study the other night, and it, it, it's a mixed denomination, and a person was saying, well, I'm now a better person because I'm going to this particular church, and they're making me a better person. And I tried to bring out the fact that if you look at all religions in general, the most, the mainstream religions, nobody gets offended by honor your father. Nobody gets offended by, by don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal, you know, be faithful to your spouse, be faithful to your family. And so that, so that is a good thing, but it's also a cloak in deceiving you because now the focus is still, is, it's, it's still a selfish love, what they're teaching. And, and, it, and it concerns me that so many people have the lack of ability to be able to discern that. Uh, I think the sermon is, is gross, grossly missing. You're, you're exactly right. Oh, discernment is grossly missing in our society today. So regarding the Sabbath, I've considered there are truths, on, uh, truths about the Sabbath on different layers, if you will, from basic to more complex. I'm going to go through at least four, because truth is unfolding, so I'm, I'm sure there's more than this, but these are four that I've, I've thought of. First truth about the Sabbath is a simple, basic truth. Which day of the week is the Sabbath? Yeah, that's a simple, basic truth. It is what it is, historically, and there really is no dispute, and it doesn't matter what denomination or religion, anybody who's actually researched and educated knows which day of the week is Sabbath. Christ died on on Good Friday, and he rose on Easter Sunday, and he rested in the tomb, according to Scripture, over the Sabbath. We all know what day of the week is Sabbath. It's very straightforward. That's a very basic truth. Second truth, though, is what does the Sabbath reveal? And we've gone through, it reveals God's character, his methods, how he functions, how he operates. 
Is the Sabbath the only place that God's truths and character are revealed? No. No, it's not. You can see in nature that God reveals these things. According to Romans 1.20, God's divine nature is seen in what he's made. We see in Scripture and the life and the history of Christ. So God reveals his character in many places, yet the Sabbath still is an evidence of God's methods and, and, and his character. And we think about what God made. God's divine nature is revealed in what he has made. So the men are without excuse, Romans 1.20. That would include the Sabbath was made for man. So the Sabbath is part of what was made to reveal God's character and truth. Uh, they are not just the trees and the animals and, and so forth uh, in nature. The third truth, so what day is the week? What's revealed? Uh, what truths are revealed about the Sabbath? What, uh, and then the third, what is its purpose? What is the purpose of the Sabbath? The purpose of the Sabbath, if you haven't heard me say it yet, in addition to revealing truth to angels in the great controversy, it was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So what's its purpose for man? The Sabbath is a gift from God to be used by man for, here's its purpose, our sanctification. For the cleansing of sin, for the restoration of holiness. Ezekiel 20 11 and 12, I gave them my decrees and make known to them my laws, for the man who obeys them will live by them. Also, I gave them my Sabbath as a sign between us so that they would know that I, the Lord, make them holy. It's a, it's a sign that God makes us holy. It's useful in that purpose to reveal truth and then give people time and place to consider and to choose, to choose with your will, with your purpose to align yourself with God's design law, with his methods. I choose to practice those methods that the Sabbath is a sign of. I choose to practice the methods of being a lover of truth, to grow in truth, to not hold to creeds that were created by, by some you know, uh, Reformation theologian 500 years ago, because truth, God's infinite. Truth is unfolding. I, I have a lover. I want to grow in truth. I don't want to stay stuck in, in, in previous understandings. So we grow in truth, and we love truth, and, and the Sabbath is a time and a place and an evidence in its own right of God's methods, and we present truth in love, and we leave people free. Now, can a person learn the truth of God's character, his design laws, his methods, choose to apply them to their lives so that they live this law of love for others, presenting truth, leaving others free, but they go to church on Sunday? Yes. Yes, yes. Are they, if they go to church on Sunday, but they have a character that I just described, are they considered a Sunday keeper by God or a Sabbath keeper? keeper. They're Sabbath keepers. Because they keep the principles of which the Sabbath is a sign. This is how they live. The Sabbath, is if, if these type of people who love the truth, as they come to appreciate the Sabbath in the setting that I've given it to you, they will resonate with it, embrace it, and love it. 
But if they've presented to the Sabbath in an imperial legalistic way, that if you don't do this or do that on this day, then God will put a demerit in your record book, and one day you will be uh, burned, and if you keep going to church on Sunday, you'll be marked by the beast, and you will be a beastly person, they will reject the Sabbath. Because that's penal legal. You're presenting the Sabbath falsely. It'd be like going to somebody and saying, now, if you don't believe in Jesus, Jesus will torture you in hell. Well, I don't believe in that Jesus. Good, because I don't believe in him either. Fourth truth, what is the impact upon people? So first truth, what day is Sabbath? What does it reveal? What is its purpose? And then what is its impact upon people who rest on the Sabbath? Some get fired from their job. Okay? What a blessing could that be? Could that be a blessing? Oh, yeah. You ever been fired from a job and it was a blessing? Yes. The Sabbath is a, the Sabbath is a gift of God to assist in our sanctification. Time to rest. Time for character transformation. To exercise our power of choice in who we love who we trust with our lives, with our fortunes, with our careers. Who do we trust with it? Is your career in your hands or is your career in the Lord's hands? Who do you trust? Think about some, this this is why the stories are in Scripture. Did Joseph trust the wrong person? Because his vision for his career at age 17, going off to college and getting a bachelor's degree in agricultural and and uh, you, you know, animal husbandry. Food management. Okay, food management. Animal hus- hey, that was his plan, right? <laughs> and what happened instead? His career went a different way. He trusted the wrong person with his future and career, didn't he? No. No, he did not. These are what the stories are there for. Do we trust the Lord with our with our fortunes, with our careers, with our lives? with our families. And so I remember the Sabbath in the setting of the great controversy. We remember what it means, the God's methods, his kingdom, how it operates. So consider this historic quote. It's out of three in the... Everyone remember what the TT stands for? Testimony, testimony but it's not regular testimony. It's not third testimony. Te- testimonies to teachers, maybe? I don't know. But it's 3TT, page 20. All through the week, all through the week, we are to have the Sabbath in mind and be making preparation to keep it according to the commandment. We are not merely to observe the Sabbath as a legal matter. We are to understand its spiritual bearing upon all the transactions of life. All who regard the Sabbath as a sign between them and God, showing that he is the God who sanctifies them, will represent the principles of his government. They will bring into daily practice the laws of his kingdom. They have the law written. That's the only way to be a real Sabbath keeper. The imperial view where you have a legalistic approach, you have a list of behaviors that you can do and can't do. You make all these accommodations. If you're in Israel, you have all your elevators programmed to stop at every floor on the Sabbath hours because you can't start a fire, so you can't push the button yourself. It's an electrical spark, and you'd start a fire, so it's illegal to do on the Sabbath. So all the elevators are programmed to go up and down and stop every floor so a Jew can get on and not break the Sabbath and ride the elevator still. 
He's not making this up. Yeah, that's, that's reality, folks. That's legal. And there's no character transformation. There's no renewal. There's no heart transformation. True Sabbath keeping is about the principles of which it represents, the evidences that it stands for. Thus, the Sabbath is a gift to us, an opportunity to solidify in our characters the very principles of God. But when the Sabbath becomes perverted through imposed law, it becomes a tool of the enemy to harden hearts so that they can crucify the Savior to keep the Sabbath. And, and understand, that happens today, folks. There are many people who are Sabbath keepers who will crucify you to keep the Sabbath. Could, could we say that even Adam and Eve, and there's... We're, we're going to get to Adam and Eve in just a second. ...needed sanctification. We're going to get to that in just a second. Yes. This has been ingrained in us. I mean, yep, that's imperial law. By stepping... It's so hard for me to... What law lens? What law lens? What law lens? You have to, we have to be deprogrammed from this human imperial system. Of the things that we're not supposed to do. Because that's how I grew up. You don't do this, you don't do that, you don't do that. Let me ask you this. If it's sin any other day of the week, is it okay to do on Sabbath? If it's not sin any other day of the week, why is it not okay to do on Sabbath? If the circumstances and motives are right. Jesus talked about, you pull your ox out of the ditch on Sabbath. Okay, this is uh, animal husbandry, not typically Sabbath behavior to do. But when it's in the ditch and their life is in life, then it's okay to do. In other words, it's not about a rule. You can't do anything with your animal on Sabbath. That's animal husbandry. That's work. That's your that's your career. That's your profession. No, it's you don't do the routine things. But in the circumstances are right. It's quite godly to go and pull your animal out of the ditch. So it's not the deed itself. It's the motive of why you're doing it. Uh, it's typically we don't go out and harvest on Sabbath, but disciples pull some grains of uh, heads of grain and eat on Sabbath. Uh, the legal you're harvesting, you're committing sin. Were they committing sin, breaking the Sabbath? No. It's not about the actual deed. It was the motive for the deed. If they were pulling the heads of grain so they could actually get ahead on their competitors on Monday to have their harvest in the in the uh, wagon to take to to, to market, yes. Because it's all about self. So it's not really the deeds, typically. It's the motive for the deeds. That's a le- another layer, level of maturity. But people want security, so they like deeds. They like checklists. Because if I have my checklist, and I go down my checklist, and I keep my checklist, it makes me feel safe. And people that are living that type of approach to Sabbath keeping, they get really stressed when a new scenario presents that they haven't thought the rule for yet. Well, we're at the general conference, and we can't fix our Sabbath meal ahead of time. And, and we're living in a hotel. Oh, how are we going to eat? Do we have to fast on Sabbath? Are we allowed to pay with money? Oh, oh no, we can buy a voucher. And the restaurants will take our Sabbath voucher as money. So I don't have to pull actual paper money out and spend it. I'll pull this other piece of paper out and spend. And then I've kept the Sabbath. Credit cards actually got started because of people wanting, not wanting to exchange actual negotiable. So, how do people choose for or against the Sabbath? If a person doesn't appreciate the significance of the first truth, which day of the week is the Sabbath, first truth, but they appreciate the second and third truths about God and his methods and principles and practices, practice them, are they Sabbath keepers or not? 
Yes, they are. And if that person appreciates the first truth, which day is the Sabbath, but doesn't appreciate what it represents, God's methods, his design laws, his character, and therefore practices the methods of imperialism to punish people who break the Sabbath, are they Sabbath keepers? No! Could you address them, especially for the Adventists, the, all the things Ellen White says about not to do on Sabbath, or what to do on Sabbath? Because a lot of, I mean, a lot of what she says is like put away everything that all the newspapers, all the papers that are, you know, yeah. every day. Yes, so what is, decide. yes, and what is she, yes, so all of her, all of her instructions are a parent talking to children who wants to help the child have a mindset to be open to holy things. Declutter your space so that you can prepare yourself to have some intimacy with God during this time. Some people need to have the newspaper taken out of the room because they're so drawn to it. Other people, newspaper sitting on the table, they don't even notice it. So, but those who have a rule, oh, your newspaper isn't put away, you're breaking the Sabbath. I didn't even notice it. It doesn't matter, it was still out. So her rules or her instructions are really about preparing the heart and mind. And each person, uh, in my view, that's between them and, and the Lord. I think many of her instructions were helpful and wise to create an atmosphere and a time and a space. So the house feels different. It's a different space that you're trying to create that gives you that mindset of openness to God's presence. That's that's the real purpose in all those instructions. But if you approach them legally, what happens is it gives you the mindset of imprisonment. Yeah, we can watch TV on Sabbath now because it's an Adventist that owns the station. And a 3ABN. Yeah, we can watch. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So love only grows in the atmosphere of liberty. This, if the Sabbath is a day in which liberty is restricted, in which we are bound by rules, in which we live in fear of deeds, doing the wrong thing, lest we get into legal trouble, then the Sabbath obstructs love and incites fear. This is always what happens when people be the lo- believe the lie about God's law. The real purpose of the Sabbath is evidenced in uh, is evidence of God's law and methods, his design law and methods. It's a sign, it's a flag, it's a mark of how God runs his universe. So, let's see here. I'm going to skip some things here. It's also wonderful that the Sabbath is a gift that's totally free. God was so wise to pick a space and time as a memorial rather than an item that people would idolize or hoard and keep from other people. You know, it's totally free to everybody every week. You don't have to afford it. You know, I think it was extremely wise on his part to pick a space and time, not an actual object. I agree with you. Thank you. That's uh, beautifully said. Uh, this is out of Christ's Triumphant, page 355. And uh, see what you think of this after everything I've said. Every person has been placed on trial, as were Adam and Eve in Eden. As the tree of knowledge was placed in the midst of the garden, so the Sabbath command is placed in the midst of the Decalogue. In regard to the, free of the fruit of the tree of knowledge, the restriction was made, ye shall not eat of it, lest ye die. Of the Sabbath, God said, ye shall not defile it, but keep it holy. As the tree of knowledge was the test of Adam's obedience, so the fourth commandment is the test that God has given to prove the loyalty of his people. Do you feel that undermines anything I've just said? Yes or no? Yes. It absolutely does not. 
It absolutely, it, it, what law lens are you looking through when you hear the words? So every person has been placed on trial. Do you hear that as a judicial trial, a legal event, a courtroom? Or do you hear it like you hear this? This week in the United States, we're having the Olympic trials. What? Trials? You mean they, there's a judge? And, and, and Well, there is a judge, actually, yes. Well, but, but do they present evidence? Do they have a prosecuting and defending attorney? Present evidence. <laughs> they do present evidence, but of what kind? What determines the outcome of those trials? Is it judicial in nature? Is it the best arguments made by the best, highest-paid attorneys? What is the what, what are those types of trials? There's all types of trials in sports. And they're trials. What are, the, what are they trials for? What determines the outcome? Reality. So this trial about the Sabbath... What kind of a trial is this? What kind of a trial was it in Eden, the top tree of knowledge of good and evil? Were these legal tests of rule keeping, which what the imperial liars want you to believe? It's not so. These were tests of character. These were trials of individual individuality and a trial of what kind of person you want to be and what, what kind of person you'll become. These were the exercising of your freedoms to choose. So take a moment and consider how design law, how reality functions, God's actual purpose in placing the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the garden. That's where we get to the point of, okay, the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the garden. What did God want for and from Adam and Eve in Eden? What did he want for them and from them? Perfect character. Perfect character, which means loyalty, love, Trust, trustworthiness, maturity, capacity for discernment, intelligent decision-making, that they choose to solidify themselves in harmony with God's design laws. That's what he wanted for them because it was best for them. So, if you think of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, do you see that being the tree of USB port where you download into your... um, Neuralink chip and get new information, they get new knowledge. Is it a data port? Is it a fact finding mission? Do you understand? It was a place where Adam and Eve would decide and choose what they would know, not cognitively, experientially. Remember, Jesus said life eternal is that you know. Know the only true God in Jesus Christ. Knowing God is more than cognitive facts about who he is. It's knowing him. See, many of us know about famous people. Pick some famous person you read in the news. You know about them. You might even read a biography about them. You might even read an autobiography about them. Does that mean you know them? You see, knowing about, and many, many theologians They've got degrees in knowing about God. And many theologians still don't know God. There's a difference between knowing about swimming because you've watched the swim meets on the Olympics. You know lots about it. There's a difference between knowing about swimming and knowing actually how to swim. Those aren't the same thing. 
The tree of knowledge of good and evil is a place, not of theoretical knowledge, not of cognitive knowledge, not, not academic knowledge. It was a place where they would know either good or evil by the choice, by their experience, by wh- what they chose at that tree. And God told them to choose to know good. Don't choose to know evil. He told them, it is a tree where you will have knowledge, so choose well. Choose not to partake of the fruit, and you will know good. You will know love. You will know trust. You will know loyalty. You will know devotion. You will know maturity, integrity, joy, peace, and godliness. All of this will solidify into your character. You will be in my image. So please, beautiful children, choose to know good. But if you choose to partake the fruit, you will know evil. You will know fear. You will know selfishness, insecurity, guilt, shame, distrust, pain, suffering, and you will know death. Please, my beautiful children, choose to know good. Don't choose to know evil. This is what the tree was there for. So they could choose what they would know in their being, in their minds, hearts, and characters. So the same author who wrote that about, this is your trial, the Sabbath is your trial, like the tree of knowledge is your trial, it's your test, wrote the following. Conflict and Courage, page 13. Our first parents, though created innocent and holy, were not placed beyond the possibility of wrongdoing. They were to enjoy communion with God and the holy angels, but before they could be rendered eternally secure, their loyalty must be tested. At the very beginning of man's existence, a check was placed upon the desire for self-indulgence, the fatal passion that lay at the foundation of Satan's fall. Pause. When we choose love and trust... Will they choose? Will they, Adam and Eve, choose love and trust, or will they choose selfishness? This is the question. God can create sinless beings. God cannot create mature character. These sinless beings had to decide what character they would form. A character of loyalty and devotion to God based on his principles, or a character of fear, selfishness, based on Satan's principles. They were free to form their own character. It was a place for them to say yes or no to Satan's lies. Continue with the quote. The tree of knowledge was, uh, which stood near the tree of life in the midst of the garden was to be a test of the obedience, faith, and love of our first parents. While permitted to eat freely of every other tree, they were forbidden to taste this on pain of death. Why? Why would death come if they chose to eat of this tree? Is it imperial? Well, God said, don't do it. You broke the rule. Got to punish you. Got to kill you now. Or is it, where is the source of life? Was the source of life actually in a tree? Or is the tree a medium or a tool, just like the food that we eat? Does our life actually come from the food that you eat? Or does our life come from God? And God uses food to sustain our biology. Does the tree of life actually provide eternal life, or does eternal life come from God? He's the source of life. And what happens when one chooses selfishness? What happens to the connection with God when you choose selfishness? Do you stay connected, or are you cutting yourself off from God? And if you cut yourself off from the source of life, what happens? This is all reality-based. This whole imperial law thing, which is made-up rules requiring infliction, is all a lie of Satan. They were to be exposed to the temptations by Satan, but if they endured the trial, 
they would finally be placed beyond the pow- his power to enjoy perpetual favor with God. Why would they be placed beyond his power? Enduring the trial means what? They saw the issues. They were tempted. They chose their character. They solidified in their character such that they were settled beyond temptation. It was their power in Eden by themselves. They had the ability, unaided by the Holy Spirit, because they were sinless beings. They could have solidified their characters. We don't have that power. We need the Holy Spirit. We need Jesus Christ. Continuing on with the quote. God might have created man without the power to transgress his law. He might have withheld the hand of Adam from touching the forbidden fruit. But in that case, man would not would have been not a free moral agent, but a mere automaton, a robot. Without freedom of choice, his obedience would not have been voluntary, but forced. There could have been no development of character. It would have been unworthy of man as an intelligent being and would have sustained Satan's charge of God's arbitrary rule. What was the purpose of the tree? To to trip them up? It was for their development. They could not grow and develop and mature without exercising choices. And once the questions about God were laid in the universe by Satan, by Lucifer, every being, intelligent being, has to choose which methods do they prefer. Which character will they develop? It was for them to decide. It was not an arbitrary test that you broke a rule and now you must be punished. It was a test of reality. What kind of being will you be? And they chose instead, to, to, instead of solidifying themselves in loyalty, they chose to infect themselves with fear and selfishness. And thus we're born in that state. So what about the Sabbath? The Sabbath is also a gift from God, useful to us, to exercise our power of choice, to internalize the principles for which it is a sign or a mark in how we practice our lives. We choose for or against God in that. I'm going to have to skip some in the lesson. Um, You know, I'm only on page 13. I got 25 pages, so. (laughs) Actually, what I just finished was, was page was page 12. We got 25 pages. So we're, we got three minutes to go. But I, but I wanted to tell you, um, talk about a, a point. There was a, uh, a well-known uh, Seventh-day Adventist scholar who in the last few weeks um, went on uh, and made a video uh, supported and uh, um, in- introduced by one of the uh, presidents, uh, president of the California Conference. And, and he went on to question the historic view um, in the Great Controversy written by Ellen White about Sabbath Sunday, particularly Sunday. Uh, the historic view is Sunday is, it will eventually, when it's enforced, be the mark of the beast. And, and he went on to suggest that, that Ellen White is not an apocalyptic prophet who prophesies for future events, that she was a classic prophet like Micah, who prophesied about and to the people of her day, and that the the statements about the Sunday legislation coming, uh, being the mark of the beast, were conditional upon the church fulfilling its mission, and those events would have happened, but the church failed to do its mission, and thus those specific events are not going to happen anymore. This is the position he's taking. Yes, his well-known Seventh-day Adventist theologian, and supported by the Cali- one of the California conferences, um, and this is the general position he's taken, that that was a conditional prophecy, and that if you're looking for Sunday legislation to be a worldwide Sunday mandate, you're probably going to miss the actual end-time events. 
because he doesn't believe those are going to happen anymore. What, what, what my concern with, with his presentation was is he doesn't understand. He's very concrete. He doesn't abstract well, and he doesn't seem to appreciate the difference between design law and imposed law because it very well may be, and I've thought this for a long time, that worldwide Sunday legislation may never happen. That does not diminish the accuracy of what Ellen White wrote because these two days are signs or symbols. The U.S. flag is a symbol of the United States. It stands for the principles of freedom and justice for all. It always has. It is not the government. It is not the law. It is a symbol or a sign. And what has happened in America in the last few years is the symbol or sign, the flag, which is a symbol of freedom and justice for all, has been attacked by the liars and have, and have worked very hard to make the flag, the U.S. flag, the symbol of freedom and justice. They've tried to reframe it into the freedom of enslavement, the freedom of exploitation, the freedom of abuse of the, of the, uh, of the peoples of color. And they've been doing a very good job because they have the media on their side. And if you watch sporting events on TV, it used to always be you would see the, the national anthem sung as they, uh, wait, as they brought the flag out and an honor guard would bring the flag out and, and liberty and justice for all. The land of the free and the home of the brave. You don't see that anymore. They don't show that. It might happen in the stadium, but they don't show it on TV anymore. Because the media is working to destroy the principle. Now, understand, this flag and its principles become principles in the hearts of the people, where when we value those principles, we, tr we try to live those principles, and we want to respect the liberties of all, and we want to do justice for all. It has, this has been a unifying principle in what's made America great. People from all different cultures come here, and they value liberty and freedom for all, freedom and justice for all. But now with this, these liars attacking the symbol, the principles are being changed and people aren't valuing freedom and justice for all anymore. Oh no, it's, it's, we're dividing ourselves into sections and sects and races and cultures and, and, and the haves and the haves nots and we're all being pitted against each other. Well, and how's this, and how's this happening? Look what's happened in America since the flag started being attacked. What's happened to our society? Have we become more unified? Or have you noticed marked increase in hatred, yeah. racial division, Tribal. hostility, tribal wars? This is purposeful, and it's driven by Satan. I'm telling you, folks, this is satanic. The Sabbath stands as a sign of God's kingdom, the principles of truth, Love and liberty, and those who truly understand it have those values in their heart, and they practice how they treat them. Because, why does the Sabbath stand that way? Because we went through it in the very beginning of our class today. Because of its origination, it was built, designed, and created as a day where God rested. The Sunday, as a day of worship, is legislated. It was, became that through human passing of an edict in a council. Thus it stands or represents imperial law, human governments. And so whether the edict of actual Sunday legislation happens or not, Sunday always will represent human government, human legislation, human rules with infliction of punishment, where the Sabbath represents truth presented in love, leaving people free, design law. They always represent the two systems. And so 
whether the Sunday is actually legislated and you're coerced into keeping it, or maybe instead you're coerced into doing something to your spirit temple that isn't actually in the best interest of your spirit temple, like maybe getting nanoparticles injected or, or something that's going to affect your thinking or your brain at some point, or get a neural link dropped in. And if you don't do it, you can't have your electro uh, e-currency and only those who have the neural link or the nanoparticles that interface with your brain are able to use the commerce systems that, as when they do away with the actual cash money, then you can't buy or sell. I don't know how this is going to happen. I'm just saying it may not be Sunday, but it may be, it will be coercive. Amen. It will do this or else. And Sunday is the sign of that because it's a sign of imperialism. It's the mark of that type of system and it's beastly where Sabbath is always rightly understood, the, the, the sign or mark or the flag of God's design law, truth, love, and liberty. Gracious Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you have provided us these evidences built right into reality. Open our eyes to see more clearly, transform our hearts to love more fully, and empower our speech to speak more clearly so that you can be magnified, we pray in your holy name. Amen. Amen.